It's KOPN Columbia 89.5 FM. Just a little bit after 11 o'clock now on, what is it, the 25th, 25th of May, 2020. My name is Mike Hagan. This is Radio Orbit. I'll be back with you in just a few minutes. Welcome to the program, everybody. It's KOPN Columbia 89.5 FM. My name is Mike Hagan. This is Radio Orbit. Good evening. Good morning. Good day. Wherever you are and uh, whenever you might be listening to this radio program, welcome to the show. It's Radio Orbit, back from the dead after more than two months in coronavirus purgatory. 
Sure glad to be back in the studio and on the air, live, again. If you've forgotten what we do here, uh, we investigate the cutting edges in science and technology and nature, art, music, and medicine lately, sometimes strange and unusual. Most times, I guess, strange and unusual these days. Always interesting, though, and usually pretty cool. You listen to it Monday, May 25th, 2020. Hope you're all well out there and that the last couple of months haven't been too difficult. I know for some it's been more difficult than for others. I wish the best for everyone, for all of you, in any case. And I hope you're all doing okay during some really strange times. And welcome to the show. I hope things are good for you tonight and you're enjoying, enjoying the evening. It's a nice warm spring Monday. Monday night here in Missouri, of course. Moon appearing as a waxing crescent now after a new moon which occurred back on the 22nd of May. I don't know, not quite a week ago. The skies are pretty clear here, though, after a long, warm Memorial Day weekend. A little bit of rain earlier tonight, but kind of clearing up now, so take a look outside. Gaze up into the heavens, wherever you are, you never know what you might see. Great time of the year, uh, this time of year, to do some stargazing. I'll talk a little bit about that tonight when we do space weather, but anyway, take a look up. It's always nice to see the stars above our heads. All right, of course, it's also a lovely night to cuddle up and listen into Radio Orbit. Uh, lots of people have been staying in as of late, and I think there's actually more people listening to radio these days than perhaps a couple of months ago. I hope that's the case. We'll find out later when I open the phone lines and see if we can get some of you to, uh, to join me here tonight. All right, uh, again, very happy to be with you on this Memorial Day night. I'm glad you've joined me. Let me take care of a little bit of business here, say thank you to a few people, and then on to the show, all right? Yes, um, as always, a big thanks to the marvelous, wonderful KOPN captain and crew making great radio for nearly 48 years, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and it doesn't matter if the coronavirus is around or not, KOPN has been on the air the entire time. Tim Pilcher is the general manager here at KOPN, has been for a relatively brief period of time. And, you know, he stepped in uh, to take over the GM position, gosh, less than a year ago. And it's probably been six months, actually. Uh, anyway, he was really put under a tremendous amount of pressure uh, and, uh, you know, just a difficult situation. Nobody uh, knew what was going on. Lots of uh, uh, different and contradictory information still, as a matter of fact, regarding coronavirus, et cetera. Anyway, Tim essentially kept the station on the air by himself uh, for at least the first few weeks. Um, we slowly began to provide him with recorded material. No one's been in the station for more than two months. Of course, this is the first time I've been back since uh, March the 9th, I think. Uh, um, anyway, so it was just a super challenge and a remarkable achievement uh, for Tim. And he had some help uh, along the way, but really to get the thing rolling, it was all Tim Pilcher. And I tell you, if you are a supporter of this radio station, and uh, we thank you if you are. And certainly continued support of KOPN is really important. Uh, and, uh, you know, now more than ever. And you hear that a lot. I feel like there's a lot of cliche 
happening these days. But at any rate, KOPN is uh, on the air, has been ever since this crisis began, primarily due to the Herculean effort of our general manager, Tim Pilcher, and a lot of uh, uh, volunteers who eventually uh, stepped up as well and began to produce programs from their homes and their basements and their apartments and, and all of that. Uh, but anyway, it's been, a, uh, it's been an interesting time, learning experience for sure, and something that's never happened here at the radio station before in our 48 years of, of existence. And I think many people can say that. Uh, for their own situations. So anyway, I can't say enough uh, about uh, the work that Tim has been doing. And uh, we've got a, a new young lady who's been working here at the station. Her name is Mallory. Uh, thank you to Mallory. Everybody else who's, who's, been, who's been helping out. Peter Strauss, I know Peter has been helping out a lot. Um, they were able to uh, and continue to put out the... Um, Community Pulse every morning at 9 o'clock, which is hosted by either Tim or recently it's been hosted by some other folks um, and generally have uh, as a guest Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, who is a local uh, family physician who's been doing uh, medicine, medicine here in the Columbia area for many, many years. I've known her for 20 years. She's been participating here at the station and has been a board member and has uh, carried all kinds of different uh, uh, roles and worn different hats around here at the station for a long time. But anyway, uh, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, you can hear Community Pulse, which is KOPN's daily update on the coronavirus situation here in mid-Missouri. And it was really excellent that they were able to put that together and have been uh, bringing up-to-date and important information to everybody uh, every day um, for the last for the last couple of months. Now they're not doing it on Friday, um, just Monday through Thursday at nine o'clock. So, anyway, thanks again to uh, everyone who's been making that happen. Um, on Mondays, of course, Woody gets things moving with traditional classic country and Ameripolitan music. More country than ever from three to six p.m. with the Real Deal Country Show. Woody giving us the good stuff as always today. The Tech Radio guys. Take over at 6 o'clock. Kelvin back in the saddle as well tonight. I couldn't be happier to hear him live from the studio on Jazz Plus Blues equals Corona Madness. And just concluding New Wave Radio Theater, we heard the Red Badge of Courage. Wonderful stuff. Always coming to you here. The Mighty Fine 89. Good music, good talk, good news. 89 and a half on the dial and streaming all around this wacky world at www.kopn.org. It's your imagination station for sure, KOPN Columbia. Big thanks to all of you for listening and uh, supporting the station throughout this difficult period. Um, I appreciate feedback from everyone. I've heard from a number of people over the course of this uh, last couple of months. You can get a hold of me via email, Twitter, Instagram, etc. Hello to everyone. Cheers. I appreciate the communication, even if it was... Uh, uh, during a time when I really wasn't on the air much. I love hearing from everyone. Always feel free to message me, whether it's a potential guest or musical artist or maybe a topic you'd like to hear covered. Or if you just want to say hi, um, please feel free to. On the web at Mike Hagan. That's www.mikehagan, M-I-K-E-H-A-G-A-N.com. 
you can send me an email at mikehagan at mikehagan.com. <coughs> Pardon me. Now, the last time I was here and with you live, we had Dr. Eric Feigel-Ding. He's an Harvard epidemiologist and an outspoken COVID-19 doctor. We discussed what was then called the 2019 NCOV coronavirus. We are all familiar with that now. I guess it was appropriate that the last show prior to the stay at, uh, to the stay at home orders was one on the virus causing all the problems. If you missed that show, it's available on the web and all the other shows are there as well in the archives at the website. Once again, MikeHagan.com. And I'd like to thank uh, Mr. Matt Presti and Chris Robinson, two guests that I had on uh, the program last week. As a matter of fact, those were recorded from my uh, bunker here in Columbia, Missouri. And I appreciate Matt and Chris for taking the time to do a Zoom interview and then uh, uh, let me air that stuff here on the program last week. It's a little challenging to do that stuff um, from home and I wasn't very happy with some of the audio quality and I really don't have a super high uh, tech setup that I can do uh, real uh, professional radio at least from, uh, from my home. But, um, you know, uh, where there's a will, there's a way and I started to get pretty good at it. Although I must say that I'm super glad to be back here uh, in the station tonight. So anyway, thanks again to Matt Presti, uh, Chris Robinson. We talked about uh, the coronavirus situation. We talked about freedom and liberty. We talked about health and wellness and the immune system with Chris. And um, Chris is a licensed uh, clinical social worker and a uh, just a really generally smart person who knows a lot about nutrition and about health and, a lo- and, and about both mental health and physical health and, and also a lot about the immune system. Matt is... Uh, Gosh, I'm not sure how to how to uh, describe Matt. He's the president of the University of Science and Philosophy uh, in uh, in West Virginia, and he is the guy who single-handedly brought back uh, the Walter Russell Museum. He's a pretty interesting character. He's a great musician, and uh, he has a website at Matt Presti, M-A-T-T-P-R-E-S-T, mattpresti.com. If you want to check him out, you can do that on the web as well, and you can connect with Matt uh, from my website as well, okay? <clears throat> okay, so one more thing. Uh, you might consider getting on the Internet and checking out the Radio Orbit Forum. You can post questions directly to me. There's a live chat room there. There's a bulletin board. There's tons and tons of stories that I've collected and posted over the course of a long time. Uh, lots of other people involved now at the forum. You go to MikeHagan.com and just click on the button that says Radio Orbit Forum. Lots of new members recently, now over 200 folks participating over there, so hello. And thanks to everyone for joining the party. All right, tonight, just us. I'm gonna talk about my thoughts and experiences over the last couple months. And hopefully some of you will call me and share your thoughts as well. The phones will be open, so please give me a shout at 573-443-7380. That's 573-443-7380. And then there's another line, 573-443-8255. So we'll have two open phone lines tonight, 443-7380. 
and 443-8255, area code 573 for both of those numbers. For the music tonight, I was just going to kind of mix it up a little bit, but I came across this band that's called Damaged Bug, and I thought I'd check them out. And I'm going to do that tonight. We're going to hear music from Damaged Bug. I'll tell you more about them sometime later in the program. But I think we're going to hear another one from, uh, we'll hear another one from them now. I, uh, I started the show off with a song that was called Very. And I am very glad to be back here. I'm going to go wet my whistle and play another one for you here. This one is called Night Shopper. <laughs> yeah, the night shopper. This is something I've been doing a lot of over the last couple months as well. It's Mike, you listen to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia, streaming on the web at kopn.org. I'll be back with y'all in just a few minutes. this song before and I don't know how long the crickets go on for it could be as long as a minute and 21 seconds so I thought I'd break in I'm gonna let it roll though 
It's Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia 89.5 FM. We're going to hear another one here from our featured musicians of the night. They're called Damage Bug. This one is called No One Noticed the Fly. go another one there from damaged bug that was called no one noticed the fly we heard the night shopper before that you're listening to it here it's radio orbit kopn columbia 89.5 fm shout out to my buddy brett brett's another programmer here at the station he just sent me a note said hello good to hear from him and i'd like to hear from 
others out there as well tonight. So uh, you can catch Brett on the air during the day. He does a lot of uh, the national programming. Um, I'm not sure exactly when he's on the air. I never really know. He's on the air a lot, though. And he also sits in for Eric P. and does Sound Legacy now and again, pretty frequently, as a matter of fact. Uh, and that is the show that follows this one. Immediately after Radio Orbit from 2 o'clock until 5.30, you have Eric P.'s Sound Legacy. And I'm not sure. I guess Eric's been doing the show from home. I don't think he'll be in here tonight. I was told that I will be the last one at the station uh, until early tomorrow morning. So I imagine that Eric has been doing his show from home like many others have been. And, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a little tougher, I think, if you're going to be doing talk radio and trying to get interaction from other people. And, uh, and of course, you want to be current as well. But, you know, the way that I do this program, I'm, uh, I, I like to do live interviews, but a lot of times we'll have a recorded interview. Um, but I, I, it's just a lot easier to do the show live um, than it is uh, to do it recorded, which doesn't mean that it can't be done. It's just, uh, you know, some programs lend themselves to, uh, to certain uh, uh, procedures and processes better than other ones do. But at any rate, hi to Brett. <laughs> okay. And uh, tune in to Eric P. Sound Legacy from, uh, from 2 to 5.30 if you're still up after this program. Okay. All right. One more thing before we get uh, rolling into it here. This program is supported in part by Pizza Tree Pizza. Pizza Tree offers pizza by the slice, specialty pies, and delivery. Pizza Tree is located at 909 Cherry Street and is open 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. daily. More information available at pizzatree.com or on Facebook. Now, I will say that from personal experience, I know that Pizza Tree is open, and they have been open. They're not open on Monday, uh, but they've been open for uh, carry-out service only. They've got a little window there that you can literally just walk up on the sidewalk and place your order and get a couple slices or a, a full pie or whatever you want, and then um, uh, you don't go inside. I don't think they've opened the doors yet to go inside. There are a number of businesses in Columbia that have, and uh, Pizza Tree, so far, as far as I can tell, isn't one of them. And I'm, I'm sort of a pizza freak, and I go down there once or twice a week, and I think I was down there on Wednesday, maybe Thursday, and... Uh, and they had not uh, opened the doors. But you have been able to get pizza by the slice there and uh, everything um, on the menu pretty much to go. And I appreciate those guys and girls making that happen and keeping Pizza Tree available for, uh, for people during, uh, during this, uh, this difficult time. So anyway, once again, Pizza Tree on the web, pizzatree.com or on Facebook, okay? And, man, that's great pizza, by the way. Okay. And they're right over there on, uh, on Cherry. Okay, uh, just about 11.30 now, not quite, 11.27 or so on May 25th, 2020. It's Mike, you're listening to Radio Orbit. We're here streaming on the web at kopn.org. I'd love to hear your thoughts and uh, uh, experiences during the last couple of months. The phone numbers here are 573-443-7380 and 573-443-8255. Please get on the phone. Give me a call. Let's do some live radio. Haven't been able to do it for a long time, and I'd love to hear what people are thinking and doing out there. And, uh, you know, it's an extremely strange situation, and lots of people have responded in lots of different ways. And it is uh, just a really interesting time. So I'd sure be interested in talking with you. 
no judgment coming from me on this end. Just have a nice, friendly conversation about whatever it is you want to talk about. And we can give our opinions or whatever, but I'm not judging anybody. I know there are a lot of different ideas out there right now. I know some people are, uh, um, well, whatever. We'll talk about that uh, as we go into the program, okay? But um, I'll say the numbers one more time. 573-443-7380 and 573-443-8255. And I'll try to position the phone so that I can see it flashing if uh, if uh, if you guys start to call, okay? Okay. <clears throat> so we haven't done space weather for a while. So let's do that, all right? It's a great week for comets and star clusters and all kinds of things to see in the night sky. Let's uh, talk a little bit about it. The sun has been without a sunspot now for 23 days in a row. That is a sign that we are still deeply into solar minimum, as we talk about on space weather often enough. As of today, the 25th of May, uh, as I just mentioned, there's been a current stretch of about 23 days where we haven't had any sunspots. But over the course of 2020 altogether, there have been 114 days that have been spotless. That's about 78%. And uh, that's pretty significant. And so far, 23 days in a row, we, we haven't had any any uh, sunspots that we can view. And yeah, it's uh, turning out to be an extremely deep solar minimum so far the deepest of the space age and we talked about this a few months ago and um, at the rate of spotlessness that we see on the sun right now uh, that has not occurred <clears throat> since 1913 and in 1913 we had over the course of that year about 85 percent of the days we're completely spotless on the sun and we're at 78% this year. So not quite, uh, not quite what we saw in 1913, but we're, we're not, we're not halfway through the year yet. And if we go deeper into solar minimum, uh, that may, uh, that 78% number may increase at any rate, definitely very low minimal activity on the sun for quite some time. Uh, very few sunspots, very few solar flares, you're still getting some cosmic rays that come from the sun, and you get always that magnetic, uh, electromagnetic activity that that interacts with our uh, with our planet here. But uh, not a whole lot of action on the sun, and if that continues for an extended period of time, then uh, it becomes very important to us here on Earth. And what happens in the case of solar? Um, Minimums, well, especially if you have something like a grand solar minimum, and in the anytime you have the sun uh, with a decrease in activity for over any particular length of time, what that means is less energy is is being uh, delivered by the sun to all of the planets and everything in our solar system. And if you do that for too long, then the, then things start to cool off. And if you do it for uh, you know for long enough, you can move back into an ice age and that has happened many many times over the course of this planet's history and there's no reason to believe that it might not happen again um, this is not man induced uh, the solar uh, energy is something that we we don't affect uh, 
Um, we have our effects here on Earth, and the climate change uh, data shows that humans' impact on the climate here on Earth is due to, uh, you know, the burning of fossil fuels and, and the introduction of other kinds of novel chemical compounds into the atmosphere and this type of thing. Um, but that would be overridden um, by the sun uh, quite quickly. Uh, in other words, right now the planet seems to be warming. Um, but if the sun, I mean, imagine in the extreme case, let's say the sun just shut down. Um, you know, it wouldn't take more than one day or so before everything on this planet was gone. Um, so we're not talking about a complete shutdown, of course, but if the sun goes into a very low energy phase for any length of time for, for a significant enough period of time. And, you know, you can do your own solar research to find out how ice ages actually occur, but that's actually what will occur because you just don't have as much energy coming from the sun. So the planet begins to cool and, uh, and it would, it, it would, it would over, it would override any, any type of, uh, of, of man-made, uh, uh, change that was being induced by, by, by humans here. So hopefully that doesn't happen. We do not need to go into another ice age after everything else that we've been going through. So anyway, uh, on the other side of it, uh, you know, for the last few months, there has been very little, well, significantly less uh, particulate pollution been put into the atmosphere. And it was really, it was really made um, clear, no pun intended, a couple of months ago after the Chinese... Uh, manufacturing sector had been shut down for quite some time and the skies over China and you could see this in the satellite photos were beginning to clear and areas that had been covered by smog and uh, just uh, really heavy pollution for really for a long long time um, began to clear up and this has been happening around the world you can see uh, uh, you can see Mount Everest from Kathmandu for the first time ever, I think, uh, in, in, in modern history at least. And uh, the planet itself um, is, you know, still doing its thing. And perhaps this little break that we've had and may continue to have, this is still up in the air as to whether, you know, this whole thing is going to bounce back or whether it is not going to or how long it's going to take, whether it's going to be quick, whether it's going to take a decade. I mean, it's been catastrophic. We have uh, we have unemployment that's just absolutely uh, un unheard of and and unbelievable uh, here in our own country, and uh, similar things are happening all around the world, and we really don't know the uh, the effect of this stuff yet. Um, many of these things take take a long time to sort of unfold before you can actually see the effects. I imagine six months from now. A year from now, maybe we'll know more about, uh, you know, what really happened and how, how damaging it really was uh, to people's health, people's economic <clears throat> um, viability, uh, and, gosh, people's, people's right to, uh, to pursue, you know, to pursue their happiness um but it's definitely a very serious situation that we have not yet uh, completely fully grokked i don't think so 
uh, one day at a time, and we'll 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 see how it goes. But anyway, back to uh, space weather here. We don't want to, to go back into an ice age, so hopefully the solar minimum will uh, not be too much deeper than it is right now, and we'll begin to pull out of that here in the next six months to a year, <clears throat> and uh, and get things back to normal on the sun. Okay. All right. Um, have you ever seen a sprite? Now, some say it's impossible. The strange and fleeting forms of red lightning, they materialize above thunderheads. And they usually disappear in less time than it takes to, to blink your eyes. But uh, we got some great photos from a storm chaser by the name of Michael Gavin, who got some great shots from something that they call jellyfish sprites uh, a formation that appeared in well I guess above the skies in northwestern Kansas uh, just a couple of days ago if you'd like to see images of the uh, jellyfish sprites that Mr. Gavin got some wonderful photographs of you can check that out at spaceweather.com and uh, find out a little bit more about some of the other things that are happening out there beyond our lovely little earth here all right, um, somehow solar minimum might be boosting the sprite activity. I'm not sure exactly how that may be happening, but there are some scientists that are saying that during the low phases of the solar cycle, which is happening now, that cosmic rays from deep space uh, flood into the inner solar system relatively unimpeded by the sun's magnetic field that would normally kind of keep those things uh, buffered away from uh, from this part of the solar system. Some of those models uh, show that, uh, that sprites can, can get started by, by creating conductive paths in the atmosphere, and somehow those things might be connected. So anyway, it's a good time to look for jellyfish in the sky. All right, let's look at the all-sky fireball network it looks like there have been about five fireballs that were reported so far on the 25th of may uh, they were all sporadics nothing involved or related to any uh, meteor showers or comets potentially hazardous asteroids what do we have here 2018 potentially hazardous asteroids now that number has not been updated for some time it's been about six months since i said anything other than 2018 potentially hazardous asteroids at any rate there are a number of them out there they're discovering new ones all the time they just don't, they don't update the list <clears throat> that frequently but there are amateur astronomers as well as professional astronomers that are constantly scouring the skies out and beyond the earth looking for objects that uh, may be of interest and sometimes they may be of interest because they're dangerous we don't want rocks that are on the same uh, course as our planet because an impact could be very dangerous depending on the size of the object that we came into contact with i'm looking at uh, the list right now from may and it looks like um gosh over the course of the last few days as a matter of fact since the 20th of may we've had one two three three asteroids that came within one lunar distance of the planet that means as close as the moon and that's close in cosmic terms none of them were very large though the largest of those three was about nine meters at its largest or longest widest point so nothing too dangerous 
most of those, I think something even that large would probably burn up <clears throat> in the atmosphere. Now, there are larger rocks that we have uh, identified and are familiar with. There's one here coming up on the 6th of June that's 339 meters at its longest point. 339 meters is over 1,000 feet, uh, about uh, 1,300, well, about 1,200 feet, I guess. Now, maybe 1,100 feet. At any rate, uh, big enough to certainly cause some trouble if you're anywhere in the vicinity of where that thing lands. So let's hope that one doesn't get too close. It looks like that one designated 163348 on June the 6th. won't come any closer than about 13.3 lunar distances. Isn't it cool how they can how they can get a look at these things and then using really remarkable mathematics figure out the orbits and and uh, and the sizes and uh, and can literally predict where and when they will pass over us. Uh, over is really not a good word, but you know what I'm saying. And uh, now, they do that with all kinds of different objects. There are 2018 that they've already reported that they've done that with. And I can tell you that they do it with all kinds of things um, that, uh, that aren't necessarily uh, asteroids. They can track things in orbit around our planet down to very, very small objects. And uh, there are space agencies and uh, defense agencies around the world that, that do exactly that. They try to track as many objects as they can uh, down to as small as they can possibly uh, do it so anyway that's the story right now for potentially hazardous asteroids nothing too nothing too ugly coming our way i don't think let's see what else we have to say about this week i know there are a couple of comets that have been in the news one in particular called pan stars 2013 it was a discovered actually in 2013 and had a crazy tail this is a a comma that actually had a tail that looked like it was in front of it as well as behind it and we have another situation that's similar that may be developing this week with a comet that's been designated c 2017 t2 so let's see what we can find out about that all right it is um monday the 25th and earlier tonight, there were some pretty cool things, but we're not going to talk too much about what happened earlier tonight. I don't want to tell you what you missed, all right? But this comet that I'm talking about is called, oh, I'm sorry, a different comet here. This was Comet Swan, uh, which tomorrow will reach perihelion. Uh, and it'll round the sun at a distance of about 37 million miles. Perihelion is the closest that uh, this comet will get to the sun and Comet Swan, which has been designated C2020 F8, will round the sun at about 37 million miles uh, from the star. It'll be glowing at around a magnitude 6, um, and it's an excellent object to view with a pair of binoculars or, um, or a small telescope. And you'll want to look in the constellation Perseus. Now, if you're in the northern hemisphere, unfortunately, it's already low on the northwestern horizon about an hour after sunset, uh, you know, about 10 degrees high and sinking. Uh, The comet is less than five degrees above the horizon two hours after sunset. But if you've got 
uh, a clear view all the way to the horizon and a, and you know and a clear night um, it's very likely that you'll be able to spot comet c20 c2020 f8 comet swan tomorrow night and uh, you're likely to spot it just about eight degrees due west of capella and you can use uh, the constellation perseus and the star capella as your as your guiding lights okay all right now even as comet swan is setting below the horizon another uh, swan is rising and this is the Swan Nebula, or what they call the Omega Nebula in some circles. But this is a star cluster that will appear in the constellation Sagittarius. It'll rise around 10 p.m. local time and gain altitude every hour. The Swan Nebula can be seen with a small scope or with some decent binoculars. This particular name for that region of the sky came from its resemblance to a swan gliding across the lake. And you can spot the bird's neck arching long, and you can even kind of imagine a little feathery body, or a feathery body, I should say, uh, up there in the, in the stars. All right, uh, on Wednesday, the 27th of May, we have Asteroid 3 Juno, which will be stationary at about 10 a.m. Eastern Time, and uh, then Juno will switch its northwestern motion and make a turn and head back to the southeast relative to the background stars. It's really interesting how different objects do that um, in the sky. The planets do it as well. They call it retrograde motion when planets do it, but uh, they'll be moving in one direction in the sky and then, and then appear to move uh, in the opposite direction relative to the background stars. And this is very indicative of their location and can be very helpful if you're trying to determine if something is a long way away or if it's close and this type of thing. So anyway, uh, you can do that with uh, Asteroid 3 Juno on Wednesday. That'll be in the constellation Virgo, about six degrees northwest of Delta Virginis. And uh, Juno's currently at a magnitude of about 10.7, so you're definitely going to need some good, good binoculars or a scope to, uh, to pick that out, okay? All right, on Thursday, we have nearly 40% of the moon will be lit, and it'll be sitting right in front of Leo the Lion on Thursday, May 28th. Uh, Regulus is the heart of the constellation Leo. Beautiful star that glows at about a 1.4 magnitude, and... The name Regulus, as a matter of fact, means little king in Latin. And it's one of the brightest stars that you'll see. And right around the ecliptic, uh, which is the plane of the solar system in which all the major planets orbit, not all of the planets, there is one major exception to that. But um, yeah, you can see Regulus almost exactly on the ecliptic on Thursday, the 28th of May. You can draw a line between the moon and Regulus and follow that to the east. You'll find the nebula, uh, which is often drawn as the tip of Leo's tail. Just a, a small 36-year jump from Regulus. This blue-white star is more than 1.5 times as big as our star. And... 
puts out nearly 14 times as much as much light as many stars as there are out there in the in the uh, in the galaxy not to mention the universe it's amazing how many different types there are and different stars do different things they have different sizes and different energy outputs and all kinds of different things and uh, we really don't know that much about them but we know enough to uh, to pique our, cur- our curiosity that's for sure anyway how about Friday? Let's see if there's anything else going on this week. Saturn, uh, Saturn's largest moon, Titan, will be sitting about one degree, um, I'm sorry, about one minute uh, due north of, uh, of Titan on Friday morning. And at a magnitude of about 8.6, um, the moon should be the second brightest object in uh, your field of view. Not our moon, of course. I mean the moon of, uh, of Saturn called Titan. So if you can get a get a line on it, you'll be able to see Titan quite well on Friday morning. Saturn has a, uh, a whole bunch of moons. There's another one that's called Iapetus, which has gained some sort of notoriety uh, in, in the last few years um, due to some of the uh, geophysical phenomenon that it exhibits. And uh, this one is a little bit further away from Titan. And it's on its way to its western elongation on the 31st of the month and as it does that it'll get brighter and brighter and now is shining at around 10.5 magnitude and about nine minutes directly west of the planet hyperion is another moon of saturn that'll sit about a third of the way between saturn and iepetus and you might be able to see that at a magnitude of about 14. okay Alrighty, well, let's say uh, one more time that you're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM. My name is Mike Hagan. The phone lines are open tonight, 573-443-7380, no, 573-443-8255. That's 573-443-7380 and 443-8255. When I was doing space weather, I'm staring at my computer the whole time and my notes, and, I, and I'm not able to see the telephone. So if you called over the last 20 minutes or half an hour or so while I was doing space weather, I apologize. But I am free now, and I'm trying to keep my eye on that phone. It's so difficult um, when I'm doing this other stuff. But uh, give me a buzz, and we'll chat about whatever you got on your mind, okay? All right, let's see. We've got about uh, eight minutes between now and the top of the hour. So I will tell you um, that I am actually going to go to the forum right now and see if there's anybody hanging around there. Get in the chat room here and say hello. Howdy, H-O-W-D-E-E. Howdy, everyone. If you're out there online and in the chat room, and you want to say hi? It looks like there are 38 people or so online right now. If anybody's listening to my voice, you can send me a note and say hi. And if you got anything you want to share, you're uh, welcome to do it through that method. And again, the phone lines 443-8255 and 443-7380. All right. Um, we're listening to music tonight from a band called Damaged Bug. I came across them uh, when I was... Uh, looking at this old band that I played, well, they're not an old band, but kind of old for the program. About a year ago, I played a band called the Psychedelic Porn Crumpets. And uh, I was looking for sort of related music, and I came across this band called uh, 
called Damaged Bug, and I like them. It's sort of techno pop with a little bit of a psychedelic edge to it. But we'll hear some songs uh, from this band throughout the, uh, the course of the program tonight. The brains behind this project, Damaged Bug, apparently is a, John, uh, a gentleman named John Dwyer. And he has another project that's called OCs, which is more like a garage rock, garage prog band. Um, but they're a California-based band. I don't know exactly where in California. But uh, Damaged Bug came around in about 2014. And uh, rather than being sort of guitar-based like uh, the OCs, this is more of a vintage synthesizer, some drum machines in there, um, and a bunch of weird electronic gizmos that are used in some of this damaged bug stuff. So anyway, they had an original album a debut back in 2013 that was called Hubba Bubba, and we're hearing songs from that one and a couple other records tonight. So let's do that now. Here another one from our featured musicians of the evening. They're called Damaged Bug. This one is called Der Mond, which, of course, in German means the moon. It's Mike. You've been listening to it on Radio Orbit, KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM. I'll be back with you in just a few minutes.
there you go. There's another one from our featured musicians of the evening. They're called Damaged Bug. That one was called Der Mond, which means, of course, Auf Deutsch, the moon. All right, it's Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit. It's KOPN Columbia, <clears throat> 89.5 FM, and uh, streaming on the web at www.kopn.org. For me, you can find information on the web at mikehagan.com, triple W, of course, before that. And, uh, yeah, if you're interested in the program or previous shows or want to join me in the forum and go read the news or post something of your own, whatever, you can do that on the web at MikeHagan.com. And all the old programs are up there as well if you want to uh, download them, share them with your friends. I've just about got the podcast thing done for Orbit. I've been doing it for uh, Open Mic Radio for a few months this coronavirus thing sort of threw a monkey wrench into my Radio Orbit podcast plans. Um, really not for any reason other than I just uh, wasn't doing much live radio and uh, and really I wasn't real happy with the content that I was making um, at home. But uh, I think we got that under control now and the podcast should be available uh, very soon, as a matter of fact. Of course, all the programs are available on the website one way or the other. You can just go there and download the MP3, and if you want to share it with someone, you can send it to them, okay? All right, uh, just about midnight now on what will be the 26th of May, 2020. I'd like to say hello to my friend Spencer Pearson, listening live from Kansas City. Haven't seen Spencer in a long time. I'd love it if he could come back here, visit Columbia, and say hi, and we could sit down and have a little chat. I'll stay six feet away from you if you want me to. If you don't, I won't. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to please. So uh, anyway, um, yeah, it's uh, first time back in the studio now um, for quite a few days. I think March 9th was the last time that I was here at the station. And we've got some protocols in place now to... Uh, slowly not immediately but get uh, get things rolling here at the station again we're starting off with programs that uh, and 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 uh, programmers who were not able to do their programs from home those are the first people that are going to be back on the air i was able to do this show from home although i didn't do a very good job i have to say i'm not very proud of the stuff that i did from home but at any rate um there are people who have already made it back on the air this is the first time back for me um, I'm speaking over a plastic bag uh, that has been placed over the microphone. We have uh, plenty of uh, bleach water and Clorox wipes if we need to clean things and some latex gloves and got the windows open and the air moving around here. And I'm the only one in the station and we're trying to keep it real minimum like that uh, where there aren't a whole lot of people in and out of here. At the same time, certainly, um, we'll have to see how how everything unfolds as 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 we move forward and we get more mm, experience, data, information, etc. about uh, about our situation. So, anyway, I'm thrilled to be back here and uh, I appreciate what everyone has done to keep KOPN on the air. I'd like to mention that we have a uh, an upcoming one day pledge drive that will be Wednesday, June 3rd. Just for one day, we're going to ask you all to support the station and do what you can to, to keep things going here at KOPN. I know it's a very difficult time for everybody. I don't care who you are. This, is a, this, this has affected, this has affected you. Um, 
and probably, uh, you know, uh, well, let's put it this way. Um, there are sort of positive and negative effects of, of sort of all things in a way. And, um, you know, there's, there are some positives that are, that are coming out of, of this whole coronavirus business. And there are, and there are quite a few negatives right now. I have to say that the negatives seem to outweigh the positives, but, um, you know, we'll have to see how, how all that, how all that unfolds in any case, it's what it is. And, uh, we're, we're everyone I think is just going day to day and, uh, trying to pay attention and, uh, try to stay informed and, and, and do the right thing, I guess. And, that's a difficult uh, sort of a challenge right now, as a matter of fact. But that's um, what it is. I'll tell you, uh, for me, I was, I guess I was in Illinois. I went and saw my mom and dad and, uh, and my love, Debbie, up there a couple of months ago. I guess it was right in the middle of March. And that's the last time that I traveled. And... Um, came back here from Illinois mid-March and uh, self-quarantined myself for about, you know, for 14 or 15 days. And um, just because I'd been traveling and I'd been around uh, some people that I hadn't been around, you know, for a while. And just, to, you know, out of, out of caution for friends, family, colleagues, etc. And then uh, after that, you know, I basically just quit doing a whole lot. There really wasn't a much, there really wasn't much to do anyway. Um, I was still working, and I have been working throughout this whole uh, time period, um, and that's my day job. I, I have a I have a regular uh, eight to five that I do Monday through Friday for a small manufacturer here in town, uh, work that is unrelated to radio. But uh, the work that we do apparently was important enough that they uh, thought we had to keep going. So we kept working and a very small group of people that work there and in a very large place. So we've got about a 75,000 square foot facility and there's never more than 10 people in it at any given time. So it was really easy for us to kind of adapt to um, some of the precautions that had been advised for uh, the coronavirus uh, situation. You know, social distancing, this is a term that is very new. It didn't even exist in the lexicon up until a couple of months ago. But at any rate, uh, people are keeping their distance from one another. This is one of the, uh, one of the real negatives of, of the situation, in my opinion. It's just so sad. Um, that, that people are so afraid and and so afraid of other people that they're you know they don't even want to come they don't even want to come near one another i uh I had an experience just this afternoon um, me and my son went for a hike <clears throat> out at uh, well out by rockbridge state park there's a there's a number of different trails out there but there's one that's called a, a shooting star and we did the shooting star loop this afternoon and there weren't many people out there but there were a few cars and you know you're on a trail and outdoors 
very uh, breezy, uh, clean air. And even so, um, walking down a trail as other people approach coming the other direction, um, it happened twice where the group that was walking toward us just made a sharp turn, got off the trail and moved at least, you know, 15, 20 feet off of the trail uh, until my son and I passed and then came back on the trail and then continued their, their, uh, their walk. And, and, oh man, that's just sort of heartbreaking to me, you know, uh, that people are, even when they're outdoors, um, you know, very concerned about coming even, you know, even, even passing by someone on the sidewalk or, or on a, on a hiking trail. And I think that a lot of this has to do with lack of information or, or an excess of contradictory information. This is one of the most difficult things that's been going on during the, during the course of this whole virus pandemic situation is that the information that's coming from experts, I mean, not just from, you know, news people or whatever, they're certainly not helping the way that it's being reported, in my opinion, but, you know, but from, you know, epidemiologists and virologists, we're getting all kinds of different uh, information, opinion, uh, prediction, modeling, we're getting all kinds of different stuff from, from many different areas uh, of the world. We, and, and it's very hard to tell what's really going on and what, you know, and, and what we really uh, should be doing, what's necessary, what isn't necessary. And these are the things that I'm hoping will become more clear in, you know, in the next, uh, in, in the next few months. In fact, in fact, I got to say that, uh, here in Columbia, and I'm in Columbia, Missouri, for those who are unfamiliar or are listening on the web, um, uh, about a week ago, they, uh, the local uh, and the state officials um, began a two or three phase program to quote unquote reopen the state. So uh, those businesses that had been closed uh, that were not considered essential businesses, which is a whole nother story, this whole essential business thing. Um, and I'm sure that there are people that, out there that have lots of different opinions on this. So that's why I'd like to hear some, hear, hear some of them. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'd like to mention the phone numbers again. If you've got uh, experience and uh, thoughts on this, please feel free to call me at 573-443-7380. 573 8255 all right um anyway uh there, there there there's so many different things that are occurring at the same time that uh it it almost becomes overwhelming i think and uh people don't have all the information that they need so i think oftentimes they will err to the side of caution and that makes sense but it makes sense as long as you uh, don't have the information, but if you if you can learn more about it and 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 get more comfortable in certain situations, then 
you know, it might be good for you. I have been wearing um, a face mask when I go out to the store. Um, if I go places where I'm going to be around other people that are not in my circle. And I do that very little. But if I'm outside, I do not wear a mask. If I'm in my car, I do not wear a mask. I think that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, and we've been told that uh, outside, you know, uh, is, is safe. Um, the movement of air is, uh, is the primary uh, thing that you're looking for to, uh, uh, to mitigate that. You know, indoors, you have air that's more still, and it's easier to, uh, to keep that stuff suspended in the air longer uh, to the point where, <clears throat> where, where you may actually uh, breathe in enough of the virus that you actually, uh, that you actually catch it or become infected. Um, this is something that also is not you know, that well known. It's, you know, it takes more than one viral particle for you to be infected. It takes you know, a viral load. And that load can be different for different people, of course, but it's more than one. And so, you know, one coronavirus particle is not going to, is not going to infect you. Um, so even if you are exposed, uh, you are not necessarily going to be infected. If you're indoors, you have a much greater chance of being infected than outdoors if you're around somebody who's, uh, you know, who's contagious. But anyway, lots and lots of crazy uh, stuff going on because of this and lots of information that is, um, again, contradictory. We're hearing all kinds of different things from different people, and it's really, really uh, not, not cool um, in the sense that people don't know what to believe, really, or, you know, or who to believe. And I hate to say it, but now it almost seems to be coming down along political lines. And, uh, you know, we have a country that is more divided than really it ever has been, at least since I've been alive. And then you get the coronavirus on top of that. And it's really putting a lot of pressure on uh, on on our culture, on our society in general. And it is very uh, unnerving. Uh, I'm sure it's frightening to some people, disturbing, certainly, confusing, perhaps. Um, and uh, there's not much you can do about it, except listen and, and watch you know, and, and see what happens. But around here, uh, for, for the most part, for those two months of most of March, all of April, and into the beginning of May, people were very good about uh, taking the advice of the authorities and staying at home for the most part, sheltering in place, doing what they could, uh, could to minimize interaction with other people, certainly people that were other than their, their immediate circle, and, um, and really 
stay at home unless you had to work or unless you had to go out for uh, for necessary essential items, food, pharmaceuticals, that type of thing. Cigarettes, liquor. Because they were they, those are the people that were open. Um, other businesses were were asked to close. Most of those businesses did as they were asked in Boone County here. I think all of them did. I don't think there were there were any businesses that tried to defy the uh, the order. Although there are some lawsuits that are popping up, and you can bet there are going to be all kinds of them all around the country, all around the world. Um, the lawyers are salivating, and um, and there are some good reasons, I think, in, in, in my opinion. There are some cases that, that, that do need to be um, brought to court and, and, um, and defined in a court of law as to what is and what isn't uh, legal um, in, in situations like this. Um, you know, there's a major debate among constitutionalists and those who aren't particularly interested in uh, in that document and what it really means and how it affects the response to something like a uh, like a national or a global pandemic and these are all questions that are being asked and being debated and oftentimes being argued about um, I think uh, you know, it's hard for me to remember the last time I was talking about this on the air, but, um, you know, a lot of people uh, were very happy to, you know, to go along with the program of, of, of uh, self-quarantine and, and do it, you know, for the greater good. That's what it seemed like we were doing. And here in Boone County, that's exactly what happened. Um, and the flattening of the curve this is another term that 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 was introduced a couple of months ago but that that was the that was the object apparently um the medical models showed that if the virus spread uh too quickly um and you didn't halt that spread or slow it down um you're going to get a major spike and to the point where your hospital system gets overwhelmed and and then uh, your medical system breaks down and your healthcare system breaks down where you can't really uh, take care of anybody. And that was the goal is to not allow that to happen. That was the goal nationwide for that not to happen. And uh, here in Boone County, we did, I think, a fantastic job. We've had one death uh, over the course of this uh, period of time. Uh, 120 or so, I think, um, positive cases. Uh, and and, and I, I don't quote me on all the numbers, but at any rate, uh, people were pretty much going by the book here in Boone County. And that all changed a couple days ago, though. And... Um, as of last week, uh, and, and I'm not talking about in the businesses, many of the businesses still haven't opened or, or, they're, or they're opening in sort of a slow fashion, but I'm just talking about out on the streets and um, 
you know, in the stores that are open and in the restaurants or bars that have been opened, I can tell you that there's very little mask wearing and people are, uh, are hanging out. And I think that we're going to be finding out real soon um, what, what the real truth is. I mean, we've been told that, you know, we have to stay away from other people because it's so infectious um, and everything else that we've heard about it. And now, though, we've got people that are just kind of saying, oh, well, I guess the stay-at-home order is over, and so we don't need to do that anymore. And have almost uh, just kind of thrown caution to the wind, it seems, at least a, a certain percentage uh, that I'm seeing out and about. Um, I'm sure there are some that are, that are still being cautious or more cautious than others. I'm certain if you have pre-existing conditions, uh, you should be being very careful no matter what. That is certainly something that we can agree about. I think everyone agrees that the people that are primarily being negatively affected by this virus are the elderly and the people that are already compromised in some way, shape, or form. Uh, heart conditions, obesity, um, um, diabetes seems to be a significant uh, factor. Uh, but if you're not healthy in general, you know, it, 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 that, that seems to be the, the takeaway uh, at least one of the one of the clear ones for me is that if you're not healthy already, if you have some pre-existing conditions, you should still be, be you should be very careful um, because this thing can can be very dangerous. Um, it seems that the the numbers come down significantly once you move into the lower age groups. Of course, there are uh, exceptions, but for the most part, uh, the Mortality rate is high among elderly and uh, and those who are already compromised in some way, shape, or form. Now, uh, we're going to find out, though, because uh, I don't think it's just here in Colombia. I think all around the country, um, there are uh, there are people who are, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just they're tired of it. I mean, maybe they just can't help themselves. I mean, maybe human nature is is what it is and you can only keep people away from uh from one another for so long before they just say forget it i i don't know i've never been through something like this before none of us have so um we'll have to see what happens but um but if the virus really is uh as contagious uh, contagious and dangerous and as widespread uh, or, or not as widespread as, as, as we've been told, then, then in the next two to three weeks, we sh we're going to be seeing a major uptick or another, uh, another wave of, of this thing because certainly around here, uh, people have kind of just been doing their thing or at, least, or at least way more than they had been um, just uh, you know, a week or two ago. And... Uh, you know, whatever the percentage of the population that is, uh, you know, out and about, it's what it is. But it's certainly a lot more than it was a couple weeks ago. I couldn't tell you how many people are still sheltering in place, how many people have decided they're just going to stay home forever because they, they don't care and they're just over it. 
and they're petrified in some cases. And, and again, like we were just talking about, in some cases with good reason. So anyway, uh, I think it seems to me that because, I mean, have you seen the pictures of, of what's been happening on the beaches and, and uh, heck, just around town here? Um, you know, people are having their graduation parties, whether people like it or not. And, uh, you know, bars are doing their business and um, a lot of people out and about. Uh, not a lot of people wearing masks, so far as I can tell. Uh, that's a whole nother story, whether the mask is effective or not or whether, uh, you know, what, what it's really good for. Um, there are people that are being harassed for not wearing masks in some places. And uh, there's a lot of shaming going on. I don't particularly appreciate that um, in any case. I think that people are uh, confused and uh, doing the best they can. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's absolutely... Uh, uncharted territory and uh, again I think people are just uh, you know going one day at a time and and doing doing the best they can with it and that's part of the problem is is that that the approach and the response has been unplanned uh, and ad hoc very arbitrary in the way that uh, the response to the COVID-19 virus has been applied uh, around the country and even in individual states. Um, here in Missouri, the state restrictions are not necessarily the same as the local regional restrictions. Um, Boone County, uh, the restrictions here are a little bit more severe than they are uh, statewide, or at least what the governor and the state have uh, mandated. Uh, St. Louis, of course, when you have areas with higher densities of population, uh, the rules seem to be different in those areas. Uh, the rural communities, again, very different. Um, uh, the big cities on the coasts, uh, Chicago, up there in the Midwest, uh, New York, of course, the whole eastern seaboard, uh, all the way down to Florida, uh, California. Crazy how California uh, so different than New York. Um, population density is very similar, or at least in the same ballpark. And the uh, infection rates and mortality rates extremely uh, different. Very, very, very different in California than in New York. New York had an extremely difficult time and still is. Uh, California... Not so much. They seem to have done a very good job. Of course, I don't know why everyone thinks Andrew, Andrew Cuomo is such a hero. Why is he the hero? He did nothing but screw things up in New York. You should be looking to California to see what Newsom did. But, of course, uh, I mean, they're crazy out there. They want to close down the whole place for the rest of the summer, though. And, and you know, um, that's one thing that we should be talking about is the balance between economic activity and... Uh, and safety precaution. There has to be a balance between those two. And 
for me, it's really, really simple. And, and the language that's being used doesn't make it simple, but I'm going to make it simple right here. Here's the language that's being used. It's, a, it's, it's an either-or thing. It's like um, if, if you want the economy to open up or if you want economic activity to increase in your region, then supposedly you're putting lives at risk. This is what we're being told, that, that you, know, you can't do that because you're putting lives at risk. And so you have to play it like this. Is it, uh, what are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to protect lives or are you going to choose economic activity. Well, I'm telling you that economic activity is lives, all right? It is life, right? If you don't have money and you can't get it, you are going to be in very, very bad shape. And the government is not taking care of everybody. And a lot of these businesses that were shut down, many of them will not be able to return. Many of them will not survive. Many of the people that are on unemployment now over 30 million people in six weeks. Absolutely unheard of. That is extremely damaging. That's catastrophic. And for those businesses, I mean, it's over. And the people that work for them, it's over for them too. And if they can't find something else, and if they can't keep getting money for the government, many people can't get money to begin with. Uh, you know, the unemployment benefits are, they're not going to last forever. Uh, the modern monetary policy people think that you can just create as much money as you want. Just, just keep, keep the zeros coming and, uh, and just give money to everyone. Well, I mean, I don't know. Again, this is an experiment that we're going to find out about because they're going to have to do something. The tax base is gone. The tax base is gone. The, the amount of money collected by the federal government in taxes is insignificant compared to the debt. We're putting trillions of dollars in debt onto the balance sheet every month now. And uh, especially now with, uh, you know, with unemployment the way that it is and with, and with so many small businesses going under, um, the tax base is gone. So forget about tax revenue. So the government's going to have to just print money, I guess. And um, they, don't, they don't actually print much of it anymore in the physical sense. You know, it's all done electronically. So just a keystroke and, and trillions more can be introduced into the economy. But... This is, a, this is an experiment in monetary theory that has never been uh, undertaken before either. And uh, in my opinion, it's, it, it's an extremely dangerous one. But we're going to find that out as well. We're going to find out because um, that's what they're doing. And that's the, that's the course of action that they've chose. They did the same thing in uh, 2000. You know, it started in 2001. In earnest, uh, if you look at the money supply, if you look at what's, what, what the Fed calls M3, if you look at the money supply, uh, right at, uh, at the end of September in 2001, you see it spike. And this is because after the 9-11 incidents, uh, that had a, uh, uh, had a major effect on 
on the economy. Uh, it was relatively brief, but it was significant. And because of the slowdown in economic activity that happened, uh, the government at the time, George W. Bush and his gang, uh, with uh, Paulson at the Fed, and eventually a whole bunch of other clowns, but uh, running the treasury. But uh, they began to, to create money in a much more uh, liberal fashion than they had been doing since the mid-70s and since 1933 to begin with when, when we were taken off of the gold standard. And that was, uh, you know, we're, we're now almost 100 years since that happened. We're 87 years since the U.S. Uh, economy was taken off of the gold standard. It happened in 1972 for good when Nixon closed the door uh, and, uh, and we became uh, a country that no longer had sound money. Our money was no longer backed with anything of any value, simply the confidence that people have in the money. So we've been there now for, well, for at least 50 years, and uh, some you know, could say close to 100. So um, the 9-11 events caused a major spike in the money supply. The Federal Reserve, along with the Treasury, pumped a whole bunch of money into the American economy. Um, it lasted until about 2007, 2008. Now, if you remember, right before 9-11, there was already a crisis. And it, was, uh, it came about with uh, a company called Enron was the sort of poster child for it. But there was a major a bust in what they were calling the dot-com industry right at the end of the year 2000. Uh, the NASDAQ and the S&P 500 and the Dow, all three uh, had major losses in the year 2000. So things were already sketchy to begin with, and then 9-11 happened. So they pumped a whole bunch of money into the economy in order to essentially prop it up. And I use that word because I do believe that it is an artificial propping up of the economy. Well, they did that until 2007, 2008, when we had the real estate crisis. And uh, everything came unglued uh, in 2007, 2008. Whole bunch of jobs were lost. Whole bunch of homes were lost. Whole bunch of uh, mortgages were um, were bought back by the banks and a huge transfer of wealth happened. And at the same time, a whole bunch more money was pumped into the economy and created again by the Treasury and along with the Federal Reserve. And you remember that all the big banks got bailed out and the big auto manufacturers got bailed out and uh, all the big corporations got free money from the government and the term too big to fail became something that was more commonly heard. I think that was coined around 2001 uh, after the 9-11 events. But in 2000, uh, 2007 and 2008, 
that became a term that was commonly being used for uh, for banks, uh, large banks, and uh, and for large corporations. So uh, so they did it again, and 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 the money supply was was cranked up again. And again, most of that money ended up in the coffers of large banks and large corporations, and very little of it made it down to the average uh, consumer, the average person. But they were able to hold it together for another 10 or 12 years. Now, in September of last year, and this is before coronavirus, uh, there were signs in the, uh, in the markets here that things were very very bad and you won't hear this for the most part um in the mainstream news because everyone says that the economy was doing great everything was just wonderful uh and just chugging along and trump had the greatest economy ever and all this bullshit but it was all fake and it's been fake for a long time um it's certainly been fake since 2001 i can tell you that much but um what happened in September of 2019 was the repo rates skyrocketed um, uh, and no one really knew why, but they couldn't get them under control. And this is the interest rate that, um, that banks charge one another when they loan money to each other overnight. It's a big racket if you really knew how they did this. But at any rate, they, they move money back and forth all the time and they do it with very low interest rates t- typically. And and they use it for what they call liquidity in order to be able to, to just, just to keep money moving. And uh, the repo rates had an explosive event and a number of events in September and October of last year. And for people who are paying close attention to the, uh, to the markets and the economy, that was an absolute red flag. It's like, holy smokes, this is not, not good at all. And it's reminiscent of what was happening in 2007 and 2008. Well, they were able to get it under control briefly. And then we have coronavirus comes. And now, I mean, all bets are off. I have no idea what they are going to do with regard to, to the monetary policy. It seems like they're just going to keep making, making more money. Um, they created... About $6 trillion last month. About $6 trillion. Now, let's do a little math here, okay? There are about 300 million Americans, okay? It's about 330 million, but let's just call it 300 million. Now, if you take 300 million... And we're going to multiply that by a thousand because I'm going to say that everybody got a thousand dollars, even though, uh, even though some people got twelve hundred. Most people, if you average it out, didn't get more than a thousand. If you're a family, you know the kids. You only get five hundred for the kids. So, anyway, and and there are a lot of people that didn't get it. If you didn't file your taxes in 2018 or 2019 then you're not eligible to get any of the so-called stimulus. I call it my slave wage bonus, the SWB, because you got to have an acronym, you know. But anyway, my slave wage bonus um, was $1,200 for me, but uh, I only get $500 for each kid. So 
Um, and for anyway, so here's what I'm saying: take 300 million people, figure that that that's easily more than more than the number that actually did get anything. So we'll call it 300 million, and say each one of them got a thousand dollars. Okay, 300 million times 1,000 is what? It's 300 billion. Okay, because a billion is a thousand million. So, 300 million people, everybody gets a thousand dollars, that's 300 billion dollars. Okay, so 300 billion dollars came out to the American people. That's what people got in their actual bank accounts. Now, six trillion dollars was created by the Federal Reserve and the Treasury about a month ago. Six trillion minus 300 billion is 5.7 trillion. Okay? Six trillion minus the 300 billion that was given to the American public still leaves 5.7 trillion. Okay, so that 5.7 trillion, that's what we didn't get. That's what went to the banks. That's what went to companies like United Airlines that would never have survived because no one's ever going to order another airplane again. Um, all of the, and I mean, the list just goes on, okay? It's crazy who got all this money. But, but you and I didn't get it, and I think that's an important fact uh, to recognize the numbers are so big now that people don't even uh, it's very difficult difficult to cognize you know how much it is and who got what well I can tell you that uh, 90 what's 5.7 out of 6 right that's an easy easy math problem 5.7 divided by 6 95 percent so 95% of $6 trillion did not go to the American public, did not go to American citizens. It went to large corporations and, uh, and big banks. And, and this is par for the course. The swindle that just happened made the swindle of 2007 and 2008 look like a pony show. And the entire Congress and the entire U.S. government is responsible. And Democrats and Republicans are both equally responsible. And they, they all vote together on this stuff. And that's one of the things that's disturbing me so deeply about uh, this whole coronavirus thing is that it is also being used, in my opinion to further polarize and further uh, <laughs> distance the American public. And the truth is that we have been lied to by our representatives, by our leaders in in not just in government, in business, in education, in healthcare, we've been lied to so many times and so often that for me, I find it very difficult to really, to really believe, you know, and it doesn't matter who it's coming from. 
uh, it's just difficult for me to believe uh, uh, authoritative sources of information because they just have the worst track track record. I mean, think about 9-11. Do we know the full truth about 9-11? Do you believe that? I mean, I don't. I do not believe that we know the full truth about 9-11. I don't know what happened. I don't know, I don't know the whole story. I know, though, in my heart that I have not been told the truth about it. Um, we know that we were lied to afterwards continuously. We were lied to about Afghanistan. We were lied to about Saudi Arabia. We were lied, obviously, about Iraq. Um, I mean, it just the, the list just is long and long, and it goes on and on. And, and, and you can march forward between 2001 and 2020, and, and it's the same, the same deal. You get very, very little accurate information from the powers that be. And in fact, the larger the event, the more important uh, the event, the more significant the event, the more likely that you're going to be lied to. That seems to be uh, something that, I, that, 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 that can be counted on as well. Uh, the larger the event, certainly the, uh, the less truth you're going to get. So we have an American public that is extremely polarized, extremely divided. Many people have bowed out completely uh, and don't believe anything that they hear. Um, others believe everything that they hear from one source or another. You have hardcore elements on all fronts that are sycophantic and that do not pay attention to contradictory information and don't try to explain contradictory information. The only way they try to explain, explain and this is, goes for both sides, and right now I'm talking about Democrats and Republicans with regard to COVID-19. Both angles act as if alternative information doesn't exist, and if it does, that it must be lies. And that's just not cool. It's just not healthy. And we're really, really putting ourselves at risk by, by not looking at all of the information regardless of who seems to be promoting it. It's a, it's a dangerous, dangerous situation. And there are a lot of threats right now, not just health. Not just health and, uh, and medical threats. So anyway, I'm going to take a short break here. The phone lines are open 573-443-8255, 573-443-7380. I think I'll play a couple here from our featured musicians of the evening. They're called Damaged Bug. You're listening to it here on Open Mic Radio. Wait, no, it's Radio Orbit. <laughs> and uh, it's KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM. On the web, you can find me at www.mikehagan.com and uh, streaming here on the web at kopn.org. All right, this one is called The Cryptologist. And I'll play, I think, one more after that. There's one called Gloves for Garbage. I think I like that one a lot. Back in a few minutes, it's Mike, Radio Orbit, KOPN, Columbia.
from Damaged Bug. Actually, there were two of them there. We'll be playing. We heard the Cryptologists and we heard Gloves for Garbage. We listened to Open Mic Radio. Why do I keep saying that? You know, normally when I'm doing Open Mic Radio on Friday, I'll say you're listening to Radio Orbit. I usually make that mistake more than I make it the other way. But anyway, yeah, maybe I got to tell you about it. So I do this show on Friday mornings called Open Mic Radio. And it's different than what I do here on Orbit. It's primarily... (laughs) I have to laugh. It used to be primarily live music. We would get bands and musicians to come down here to the studio and uh, join me on Friday morning and play some live music in the studio. And then we do a proper interview with the folks and send them on their way. And we usually talk about what's happening around town and different shows that are happening and who's performing and all that stuff. Well, as you all might imagine, that has changed significantly as well over the last few months. 
live music, huh, a thing of the past. Oh, my God, and it's killing me. I never real. I mean, I did realize how much I love live music, but now I really realize it because I don't get to do it. I don't get to see it. Um, the best we get these days is maybe a live streaming performance from somebody in their living room or their basement or, <clears throat> God forbid, at an actual venue somewhere. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's what I do on Friday mornings. But lately, I haven't been able to do it. So what I have been doing lately is, uh, well, talking to people, recording the conversation, and then trying to get them to record a couple of live pieces from their bedroom, from their basement, from their living room, whatever, and then present that uh, on Friday mornings on Open Mic Radio. We'll have to see how that evolves. I'm definitely working on sort of restyling that show because everything that it was based on is no longer available. So hopefully that'll change. I hope that we can get some live music and uh, and get back to seeing live music, but right now that doesn't seem uh, like it's on on the menu. So we'll have to watch that as we as we go. <clears throat> anyway, um, before I lose my track, let me tell you that uh, along with listener support, this program is brought to you by the owners of Columbia Storage, long-term supporters of KOPN. Columbia Storage is centrally located on College Avenue, just north of Paris Road. Uh, they're in business for more than 30 years, and they recently installed solar collectors to meet the bulk of their energy needs. More information available on their website, columbiastoragemo.com. That's columbiastoragemo.com. Or on the phone, 573-443-1599. Appreciate the support from all of our underwriters. Once again, we'll be having a one-day pledge drive on Wednesday, June 3rd. I hope you'll dig deep and support us on that day. Okay. <clears throat> so, um, you know, when I do the show here at the studio, um, I, I usually drink a beer over the course of the program. And tonight, I'm drinking a Corona in honor of the... The poor people who own that uh, that Mexican brewery. I think they closed the Corona Brewery due to the coronavirus and the stupidity of so many people that thought that the virus actually came from the beer. This is no kidding. Uh, hopefully they will reopen at some point in the, in the near future. You can still get Corona. They must have made a whole bunch of it, and it's... There must be a lot in inventory somewhere. But as far as I know, I think the Corona Beer Factory is closed for now. Anyway, in honor of them, here's to you. Corona Extra. La Cerveza Mas Fina. <laughs> okay. All right, it's Mike, and it's Radio Orbit, KOP on Columbia. So before the top of the hour here, and I'm going to have to take another break here in just a few minutes, but I'm going to read something to you. You know, I've got all kinds of stuff here on the, on the forum I've been posting stories for months now, for the last couple of months, and normally I would go through, uh, you know, and do the news every week doing the show, but I haven't been doing that, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to cover all of the news that I've put on there. I'm just gonna grab some good ones, and I'm gonna kind of start at the top and move backwards so that I don't, uh, so I can kind of start start with current stuff. But to kind of close out 
what I was saying before the break about coronavirus and just the difficulty that it's presenting to so many people and the uh, the political divide that's developing more deeply because of it and the polarity among U.S. citizens that is also deepening, in my opinion. I'm going to read you a, uh, a piece here by uh, written by a gentleman named Victor David Hansen. He writes uh, an opinion piece for uh, townhall.com, and he is uh, certainly leans on the uh, on the conservative side, I'd guess. But this is one particular article that uh, I think is worth sharing with with anybody who who might be interested in in listening to what he has to say. Um, so I'm going to read it here to you. And again, the phone numbers are five seven three four four three seven three eight zero and five seven three four four three eight two five five if you'd like to comment. All right. Across the wide, growing American divide, red and blue state America was already divided before the coronavirus epidemic hit. Globalization had enriched the East Coast and West Coast corridors, but hollowed out much in between. The traditional values of small towns and rural counties were increasingly at odds with postmodern lifestyles in the cities. There were, of course, traditionalists in blue states, and lots of progressive live in red states. But people increasingly self-segregate to where they feel at home and where politics, jobs, and culture reflect their tastes. The ensuing left-right, liberal-conservative-democrat-republican divide did not only intensify in the 21st century, it also took on a dangerous geographical separatism. The coasts versus the interior reflect two Americas, often in a manner similar to the old Mason-Dixon line that geographically split the U.S. for roughly a century. Liberals, scl liberals scoff at the deplorables and irredeemables for embracing an ossified, unchanging 18th century constitution. The red staters supposedly cling to their weird, dangerous habits, such as owning guns and opposing abortion, while adhering to Paleolithic ideas of small government, secure borders, and don't-tread-on-me individualism. Blue staters are confident that progressive citizens of the world like themselves are where the global action, money, and future lie. And who could doubt the success of Silicon Valley's wealthy tech companies, Wall Street's investment giants, or the internationally respected universe, universities such as Harvard, MIT, Caltech, and Stanford? Progressives believe the story of America has most often been one of discrimination, original sin, and a need for constant repentance and reparations for a flawed past. Conservatives feel the opposite, that one does not have to be perfect to be good, and that America is far better than anywhere else. Red staters contend that many blue states are broke and need bailouts to ensure that their generous pensions and entitlements don't wither away into insolvency. Cities are often seen by those in less densely populated areas as dirty, full of homeless people, dangerous, and ungovernable. Red staters also see failed statist ideas all the world over. For them, China, the European Union, and much of Africa and Latin America are proof that democratic socialism is neither fair nor compassionate. Conservatives welcome in immigrants, but only if they come legally, assimilate to U.S. values, and arrive in manageable numbers. When the virus hit, these divides intensified. Blue state governors wanted long lockdowns. Red state governors, not so much. Elite professionals, state employees, and wealthy residents of the coast 
feel they can easily ride out a bad recession. They believe that even a minuscule chance of dying from the virus still makes it too risky to go out. Yet in red states, there are many self-employed people and small business owners who are always at risk on the margins. They believe they have great odds to beat the virus, but not to beat a more deadly depression. The 2020 election is the unspoken force multiplier of this divide. Blue state politicians believe that if the lockdown continues, the country won't recover before November. Donald Trump will then be blamed for the downturn. They hope for a replay of the 1932 election with Trump as Depression-era Herbert Hoover versus a progressive challenger with big promises of more programs and larger government. Progressives want more connectivity with the world abroad to beat the virus. They rely on elite researchers, statisticians, and epidemiologists to chart and predict the curse. I'm sorry, to chart and predict the course of the epidemic. Conservatives are convinced that entrepreneurs and individuals will better save us. Most elites, they believe, were wrong in their modeling, their predictions, and their advice about the contagion. Many conservatives think that the best and brightest had little practical experience, less common sense, and did not live in the real world. And did not live in the real world. Red staters look at the lies of the Chinese, the enabling deception of the World Health Organization, which, by the way, I agree with. The World Health Organization has been absolutely irresponsible and done a tremendous disservice over the last few months. Um, and that's me saying that, not this article. Uh, the deceptions of the World Health Organization, the initial failures of the CDC, they conclude that transnational organizations are sometimes incompetent and corrupt, and that even our own bureaucracies are too unimaginative, sluggish, haughty, and territorial. Is there any agreement between the red state and blue state America? Perhaps. Red staters are not flocking to blue state urban corridors where the virus hit hardest. They are happy to live in less crowded places, rely on their own cars, have detached homes, and be free of government edicts that often make little sense other than to showcase the dictatorial powers of petty bureaucrats and local officials. Even blue staters are beginning to see their mass transit, high-rise living, and clogged streets more as incubators of disease than as the circulatory system of an exciting high-end life. Perhaps in this time of plague, Americans can at least agree that the romance of Arcadia is suddenly preferable to the allure of big city lights. Wow. I have to say I agree with most of, most of what he said, and, and not with either side, just, just the point of the divide, the point of the differences. And, and to be faced with, uh, with a crisis like we are facing, uh, with a with a with a population as deeply divided and as deeply propagandized I cannot express that enough We are so so deeply and thoroughly propagandized that it is very very uh, scary for me to uh, you know just to To see how we uh, how we manage this together you know, that's what everyone keeps saying. We're in this together, right? You know what a bunch of bullshit that is? Most people hear that and they're like, what are you kidding me? We're not in this together. I'm, I'm on, we're in this alone more than anything. 
In fact, oh, and, and, and wait, I'm sorry, we're together alone, right? That's another one in the new, the, the, the double speak Orwellian language that's being used throughout the course of this whole thing is also frightening as hell to me. Um, and you're listening to KOPN Columbia 89.5 FM. My name is Mike Hagan. This is Radio Orbit. That's the station ID that has to be done for the FCC. Okay, um, social distancing. This is a term that did not exist in the lexicon of American English until just a few months ago, maybe three months ago at, at best. I can tell you from my own personal experience in the world that social distancing is not a term that was developed by epidemiologists or virologists. It's a term that was developed by sociologists or psychologists or both. I can guarantee you that. That to me is not cool because there's a whole lot of social engineering that's going on in the midst of this whole thing. It's a great, great experiment. And, uh, and there's a whole lot of the let's not let a good crisis go to waste uh, gang that could not be happier. And this is on all sides of all issues. This is not a Democrat or a Republican issue or anything of the sort. It is a control issue. It's an issue of control freaks and power freaks. And they come in all shapes and sizes and all political ideologies and all colors and all religions. And it has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with, with what's going on between their ears. And if you're a power freak or a control freak, this is a wet dream for you, what has happened. This is hard to imagine anything greater could happen for you and those types of people are loving every minute of this and are going to take as much advantage of it as possible they are going to flex it as much as possible and if you don't think they're going to i mean just watch they did it after 9 11 they did it again after the 2008 uh, crisis. Um, now we have tracking devices, every single one of us. We're carrying them around with us, for the most part, everywhere we go. If you look at what's happened in China and what they've done there, uh, it's frightening because they're basically just tracking everyone now. And um, there are obligatory apps that you are required to have on your smartphone. In China, you have to have a smartphone pretty much to operate. Um, they've gone essentially cashless and uh, everything is done via, uh, via the handheld device. Uh, including most security precautions, including identification, uh, the ability to shop, the ability to pay for things, uh, the ability to travel. Uh, and now um, there are obligatory apps, and, and, and I'm not making this up. There, in fact, if you go to my, go to the forum, you can just do a quick search for, uh, you know, for uh, Chinese contact tracing apps. And of course, now of course, contact tracing. This is another. Orwellian term that was is clearly a sociological term, uh, not not a not a medical term. Um, uh, anyway, now that's 
uh, that's being considered here in 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 the U.S. and in Europe and in the West, and it's been it's been uh, uh, tried and tested now in China, where basically you have an app on your phone, and and if you don't have the right uh, medical, what's the word, uh, classification, then you. you Authorities are automatically notified if you do something that you're not allowed to do because you get too close. Let's say let's say you're coronavirus positive, right? Um, it, it'll it'll show you on a map as a red dot, and there'll be a bunch of green dots as well. And uh, if you see a red dot, you don't you don't go in that direction. And these are people looking at the app. You can actually see other the movement of other of other people in your city, in your town, or whatever. Now, of course, the individuals can't see who the other person is, but the government knows exactly who everybody is. And, uh, and if you don't comply with whatever, uh, whatever it is that you're asked to comply with, they will they'll make it either you know, impossible for you to operate in the world by restricting your access to everything via your, your, your tracking device, um, or they'll come and get you and that's that's just that's a state of the art right now in China that's what they're doing um, now contact tracing apps are being talked about and even deployed here in the US I think the latest Apple update maybe I'm wrong but I've read a couple of uh, posts that uh, that iOS 13.5, I think it is, is supposed to include uh, a contact tracing module. I don't, I don't know if that's true. If, it's, if somebody knows, call me and let me know or send me a text. Um, oh, my friend Mallory, uh, who's listening from Arizona. Hi, Mallory. Nice to, nice to hear from you. Um, she had a question, who I work for. Yeah, why, why is the company that I worked for considered essential? Um, I work for a company that makes industrial cord and the use for this cord uh, is in the manufacture of belts and hoses for power transmission and so those two words are the clue and the key to why our business is essential power transmission if you can't transmit power you can't do anything and so anywhere there's a belt or a hose whether it's in a car whether it's in a truck, on a train, maybe in an airplane, maybe in a John Deere or a Caterpillar tractor. Anyway, use your imagination. Belts and hoses, all right? Belts and hoses are the way that power is transmitted, uh, or at least one of the primary modes of, of power transmission. And so without belts and hoses, you can't get anything done. And so um, that's why we're, we're still working. And luckily, there's still using belts and hoses because if we weren't making any belts and hoses then we really would know that it was over that the world had shut down and was no longer operating really at all and you know it's ironic this whole virus thing um, has uh, made people you know much more aware of their surroundings and who's around and their own mortality this is a, wow you know as a side note that's a, that that became really clear to me straight away uh, it became obvious just in, in like an afternoon almost. You know, those who were comfortable with life and death 
and those who were not. <laughs> I mean, that was that, and that line is very clear now. You can see that. You can see that anywhere you go. Um, but anyway, uh, um, you know, lots and lots of, uh, of of interesting and strange observations to be made uh, in the course of uh, of of a social cultural event or a series of events that has never been experienced before and yeah i mean there are plenty of uh, experiments going on in the middle of it you can bet that uh, that a lot of people and a lot of agencies and a lot of organizations are are trying to take advantage of this as best they can and i guess that's what that's what humans sort of do so anyway um I think I'm going to play a short piece from Edward Snowden that I came across earlier today. For those who don't remember, I guess it was about 10 years ago, Edward Snowden, who was a contract employee of the NSA and a number of other alphabet agencies over the course of his career, and he uh, smuggled some information out of those facilities, those organizations, and basically released it to the general public. And he is considered a hero by some and a villain by others. I tend to think of him more on the hero side. Well, I'm not sure I'd go that far, but I certainly respect what he did, and I think he did it for the right reason. Um, anyway, he had some comments uh, about the coronavirus very recently and I'm going to see if I can get that together for you here and we'll play it. Let's see when this was recorded. It looks like this was April 14th, okay? So this is about a month ago. That's only three or four minutes long. No, nah, maybe four minutes long. Um, and uh, See what you think about it, and maybe I'll make a few comments about it afterwards, and and uh, and you can comment as well. Once again, uh, the numbers here: five seven three four four three seven three eight zero, five seven three four four three eight two five five. If you'd like to join me in some conversation here, I'd love to hear from you. All right, it's Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia eighty nine point five FM. We're streaming on the web at kopn.org, and for me, you can find me on the web at www.mikehagan. Com. And this is Edward Snowden. They already know what you're looking at on the internet, right? Uh, they already know uh, where your phone is moving. Now they know what your heart rate is, your pulse is. Five years later, the coronavirus is gone. This data is still available to them. They start looking for new things. Whenever there is a crisis, uh, rationality uh, exits the room and you have uh, a policy that is being driven by a panic in the pursuit of benefits that at the time are theoretical. They said these things uh, would work. They said they were necessary. They said they would be beneficial. We don't want to do them, but the threat is so great that this is the only way that we can really counter them. When we see emergency measures passed, uh, particularly today, uh, they tend to be sticky. 
um, the emergency tends to be expanded. Uh, then the authorities become comfortable. They start to like it. Uh, and the original emergency passes. Coronavirus yep. is gone. It's no longer a big thing. They find new applications, new uses for this new power they gained. Uh, and they went, well, maybe we don't need to give this up. Maybe we can pass a new law uh, that makes this a permanent authority. And we've seen this happen in country after country. It's not a local uh, domestic issue. And what people are, are missing that I think people who are looking at this from a longer span are catching is uh, the coronavirus is a serious problem, but it is a transient problem. Uh, we will eventually have a vaccine, uh, or even if we don't, we will eventually have herd immunity. Uh, in two years, uh, this problem will be gone. Uh, but the consequences of the decision that we make now uh, are permanent. What we have is a transition from government that's looking at us from the outside in mass surveillance. They used to be looking at your phone, right? And they wanted to know what you were clicking on, right? They want to know what you were reading, what you're buying, uh, this kind of associated information. Um, but now when we get into this health context, they want to know, are you ill? They want to know your physical state. They want to know what's happening under your skin. If we permit to uh, say, look, we can track every cell phone of every person everywhere all the time. We can make inferences on the basis of this data set and then we can take executive actions uh, as a result of this information. What keeps them from going, well, we're worried about health. We're worried about public health. We're worried about protecting people. The primary symptom of the coronavirus is a fever, right? This develops before the cough and persists uh, throughout the course of the virus. It's your immune system fighting it off. Uh, we're going to send an order to every fitness tracker um, that can get something like pulse or heart rate. Uh, and we're going to start demanding access to this kind of activity. Um, and now we're going to go, well, these people have elevated pulses. Uh, and now, you know, five years later, the coronavirus is gone. This data is still available to them. They start looking for new things. They already know what you're looking at on the Internet, right? Uh, they already know uh, where your phone is moving. Now they know what your heart rate is, your pulses. What happens when they start to intermix these and apply artificial intelligence to it? And Harari asks, uh, if you have this bracelet that tracks your temperature and your pulse, uh, and they know you're watching a video or uh, you're just watching a speech from a and they see you get angry, right? Uh, because emotions really are biological processes. These are our products that have um, measurable states associated with them by sensors. And they go, well, this person doesn't like what's being said. Uh, it's one thing if an advertiser does this, still chilling, it's still dangerous, or a bank does it, or it happens in a job interview. But what happens when you have built over the course of a generation, the architecture of we are moving closer and closer to that world every day that we let panic motivate our decisions uh, rather than rational reflection regarding inevitable consequences uh, about this narrowing of our rights. We're not being asked for security or privacy. Um, in a free and open society, the thing is we're supposed to say uh, we need both. And this is derived from the protection of rights. If we begin destroying rights, sacrificing rights in order to improve things, we're actually making things worse. All right, a few comments there from Edward Snowden, someone who knows a little bit about the security state the surveillance state 
the availability of extremely advanced technology uh, at the fingers of uh, who knows who. And um, yeah, very interesting stuff. Uh, we've got someone here on the line. Let's say hello. Welcome to Radio Orbit. I appreciate the call. Who's this? Hey, Mike. It's Spencer Pearson. Hey, Spencer. How are you, my friend? Doing great. Great to hear your voice. How are you doing? Oh, it's great to hear from you. I'm doing well. I'm glad to be back here at the station and good to be back on the air. What's going on in Kansas City? Oh, you know, uh, avoiding tyranny one day at a time. <laughs> the usual. It's really, i got to say, it's a breath of fresh air to hear some independent thought regarding this crisis we're under. Because uh, it's hard. It's hard. It's like you said earlier, you know, you're... It's so polarized one side or the other that the second you question any kind of official narrative, you're automatically uh, a Trump guy or whatever. You right, know? There's, right. there's no room for just some independent inquiry, uh, let alone digging deeper past that surface inquiry. I agree with you. I mean, I've got so many questions um, outside of the, the practical ones. I mean, right now, I think everybody's worried about just, you know, uh, just the day-to-day -day getting by and, uh, you know, considering what's happening with the future. I don't know what's happening uh, in your world with regard to, to work or, uh, um, you know, how you're making ends meet. I don't mean to pry, but, you know, for a lot of people, it's been a difficult time. For others, you know, I guess uh, uh, on the other end of the spectrum, some people, probably not a whole lot, you know, haven't really been that deeply affected. Well, Warren and I were blessed to kind of have both jobs that were already corona-ready, I guess, if mm. that's a thing, mm. you know. Mm -hmm. uh, she's worked at home since, you know, before our first uh, kid was born. Yeah. So yeah. that slowed down for a bit, but it never stopped all the way, and it's kind of trickling back now. Um, there was definitely a bottleneck, so now there's a lot of work. Right, right. And... Uh, I'm in the real estate industry, which is, you know, considered essential. Um, and as far as those markets are concerned, things are still moving in the real estate world. So, um, you know, people have to move when they have to move. So there's a lot less uh, elective moving going on right now. But, you know, if you have to move and you have no choice, you're still going to be uh, buying or selling. Right. Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens in the both the commercial and the um, and the uh, the personal real estate market, um, I, I have I have a feeling that probably a lot of people that were selling their homes probably decided when the virus that they're going to take them off the market maybe for a while, and maybe people who are looking for a home probably decided they weren't going to look for a while maybe like, again if they yeah. had that election if they if they had the option. Um, yeah, I think uh, the people that were just kind of looking and exploring, uh, uh, at least in my experience, it backed way off. Mm -hmm. Before this whole thing started, we were already kind of low as far as inventory is concerned. There's not a lot on the market compared with, you know, this time last year. But that even, you know, as you can imagine, that was even further depressed. Right. What do you I see happening? Do you, do you think um, I'm I'm concerned that that because of job loss that, that there are going to be a lot of homes on the market due to people that just can't pay their mortgage to, uh, in, in sure. six, six months from now or something? Well, I mean, there's a lot of speculation. Obviously, it's all speculation right now. Um, I think a big factor can be what governments do to, you know, prop up or suspend mortgage and rent payments 
I think that mortgage is a little easier to do conceptually mm. because you're talking about a long-term low-rate loan that can you know, easily be tacked on to the end of in 28, 27 years, whenever your mortgage ends, or right. depending on what mortgage you're in. Uh, with the rent, it's a little more complicated because, you know, you've got a landlord paying... Paying a mortgage, probably, office. and he needs to pay his mortgage, and he needs the rent right. to pay that. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little more complicated on the rent side, but um, that's a factor. And, uh, you know, a lot of it is just kind of going to be dependent upon how many jobs really do stay lost. I know that the hospitality industry, which mm. as you sure I still have, I still have my foot in and I've been in that for a decade now. And that's like a huge hit. So right now I work at this, uh, wine truck and we do, you know, weddings and events. And my last event was, I think in late March Wow! and the, it must have been early March, but regardless, the the buzz the buzz was just starting about Corona, but there was no official lockdown. There mm. was no, you know, social distancing was like something that people were just starting to push at that point. Right, right. So I was kind of I showed up to this event and like wasn't really sure how it was going to play out. But as soon as they as soon as I got there, they shook my hand and that kind of set the tone. You know? mm. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. That that handshake has become very punk rock now. <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding. And you know, I I'm I'm sort of old school in the sense that that's the way that I trust a person in a weird, weird way. I, I mean, when a guy or or a girl, you know, give me their handshake, that means like, it's like their word. So I've, I'm I'm having a little difficulty with some of the stuff. Um, Absolutely. I, well, I mean, the the social implications of this whole oh my gosh, what you're expected to do with not touching people with not seeing people with keeping your distance from people uh with suspecting anybody of having this oh my god uh, virus they really pushed the asymptomatic transmission uh mm. meme yeah so you know it doesn't matter if someone's coughing or not you're looking at them with the stink eye right Any, uh, anybody anybody wear a can mask, be a threat yeah wear a mask hide your face you know you i mean uh i saw a meme going around that uh talked about some U.S. code that cites you're uh, legally not allowed to wear a mask when carrying, and people have been, like, citing that. Like, I can't put a mask on while carrying a gun <laughs> section, whatever, you know. Right, I love it. They're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and it's... that's a whole different can of worms, you know. Yeah, and, and, and you also have these technologies I was talking about a little bit ago that are being deployed, and, uh, and they, they include facial recognition technology and now of course everyone's taking selfies of, of themselves with their mask on so they can help out the the facial recognition ai um and it the, the whole thing at at the same time you're right everyone's being told that there's a boogeyman around every corner potentially and and there's a potential threat in every person mm -hmm. that you meet and it's absolutely chilling uh, to, to it's think kind of that, mind boggling. I mean, mm. every time the whole, ever since the start of you log on Facebook and there's just people griefing other people, you know, for doing normal things. That's kind of what's like super frustrating about it from my vantage point is just, you know, this is a novel virus outbreak, which is not something that's never happened on earth. Okay. We've had, you know, this has happened several times in the past. Uh, the way that 
you become sick hasn't changed. The way that viruses work hasn't changed. A lot of things haven't changed, but everybody's acting like this has never, ever happened, ever. And really what never has happened is this sort of full flex of the social control and social engineering, like you mentioned before, like Mm. we've never been pushed this hard this quick. And you did point out some time in the recent past where we have been pushed hard and fast, like the Iraq invasion, like 9-11, like uh, the financial collapse. But to this extent, especially in the social realm of things, oh, it's just, yeah. that's that's the unprecedented part. It has nothing really to do with the virus. Well, you know, and, yeah. and I, I agree with you. And last week I was speaking with a guy whose name is Chris Robinson. You might even know Chris, but he's a, he's a therapist, a social worker. And, but he also knows a lot about, uh, about the immune system and about general health and well-being. And he pointed out and made it very clear that many of the things that you just mentioned, being in contact with people, being close to one another, being able to have that camaraderie, having that social contact is actually... Right is actually extremely helpful and important to the immune system. Um, Absolutely. We, we are designed to, to be around our friends and our family and our community. Yep. We are built that way. That's why we have an immune system. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it, it it's, it, it's crazy. I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, and again, we just have to, everyone's just kind of flying by the seat of their pants, wondering what's next and what's going to happen. But, um, you know, I'm certain. Wild. It's like uh, going around and um, disabling any kind of software and firmware upgrades for your immune system at all. You know, yeah. keeping people inside, keeping them out of the sun, no vitamin D. Um, a lot of things I've read suggest that most of the fatalities in the worst cases have been uh, due to those low uh, vitamin D, low. Um, immune system response, things like that, you know? Yeah, certainly um, people that aren't healthy, people who you know? already weren't taking care of their immune system and things like that. Uh, and then, you know, you get you get posts of people furious because, you know, other people had the audacity to visit the lake during Memorial Weekend, which is, right. you know, the, no, I know. It's, the uh, thing that happens every year. Well, I can tell you this, uh, that if, if it really is as as bad as the the doom the doom and gloomers say that it is we're going to find out really quickly because i think in oh, general yeah. now i also will mention that you know you're not hearing anything on the news about the fact that florida and georgia have been open for quite some time for the yep. most part and in fact georgia's numbers and their uh, uh, they, they they look very very good and and mm-hmm. uh I mean, imagine a guy like DeSantis in well, Florida. I mean, um, um, I mean, he's put in a situation where his whole state is essentially dependent upon uh, the hospitality industry. Can you imagine right. what Orlando, Florida? I mean, it's just unbelievable, right? I'm sure it's just—it's a fucking bloodbath, you know. Just you know, their bread and butter is the tourists that come in and out all the time. Right. I mean, it's just ab- uh, so. So I, I get I get why I get why these guys you know said hey look we've got to we we've got to do something because you know you have to you have to look at at, at the whole picture I mean I understand yes. that there's a medical picture and you have to take that into concern but you also take you have to take into into concern the other parts of the equation and if people never go to work again I mean that that's going to cost lives and and yeah. you know well, here's if, another one that uh, my dad was 
talking about this article that he was reading earlier today where they kind of analyzed a lot of the uh, lives lost, lives saved, but instead of doing it in just number of human beings, number of deaths and recoveries, they did it in lost years of life, hmm. which is an interesting thing to look at because uh, so many of these cases have been, uh, you know, 60-plus uh, nursing homes, elderly, not a lot of years of life lost versus the years that we're uh, sacrificing to save those lives. Those are, you know, our core workforce, but it goes beyond that. It goes to all across the country, certain medical procedures being deemed unessential. A lot of that's early cancer screening. Oh, my God. So and again, you need your hip replaced. In, I mean, people going in just getting a check because they feel a lump, you know, that's, that's put on hold because that's not considered essential. Yeah, yeah. The biopsy that results in such a procedure, if you have a lump removed, it gets sent off, they do a biopsy on it. That's the backbone. That's the entire, you know, substance of our cancer research in this country. And we shut it off like yeah. a switch. We flipped it off. So we're going to have a lot of people that develop late stage cancers that could have got it early. And we're going to have a lot of cancer research just entirely put on hold uh, just just due to this panic. Well, you know, and we also lost a whole bunch of medical personnel. It's crazy that the the whole goal yeah. of the whole goal of this thing initially was to make sure that the that the medical system didn't get overwhelmed. Well, they well, shut the whole thing, thing down. I guess and, and, that we accomplished. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. medical system was not overwhelmed. So no, we can it pat wasn't. ourselves on the back, I think, for that one. Yeah, and that's about the only thing. And I'm not sure that we had that much to do with it. But, uh, but at the, what cost? It, like, yeah, it brings to mind like a, a Thanos meme. But yeah, but it's crazy. It's like, uh, I mean, even even large numbers of medical personnel are being laid off for exactly yep. exactly the reason that you're saying that that all these so-called non-essential uh, procedures were were taken off the table and that includes well, you know something like a, a hip replacement or a knee replacement yep. that where, where somebody's you know maybe they're not um, maybe they're not terminal but they're in a tremendous amount of suffering and pain and and then they tell them to stay on the on the on the opioids and there's a whole bunch yep. of implications of this so Absolutely. And then it goes deeper because once you resume that non-essential, and that's another disgusting oh, thing yeah. they've done, yeah. labeling all of these things that are arguably pretty essential depending on who you are, a lot of them are just labeled non-essential and uh, vice versa, too. Well, and I don't, like, I mean, the fact that it was, stores. and I, I mean, the fact that it, it's so arbitrary and ad hoc, I mean, what's Absolutely. essential here is not essential somewhere else. And, mm -hmm. and it's just, and it's just a, a total, I, I mean, it's just a, seat of the pants once thing. We, once we roll all that back and launch it, you're still going to get a lot of people who firmly believe it's too soon and they're not going to get that non-essential procedure just because they uh, are clinging to a core, you know, yeah. they think is yeah. and continue to suffer and, can, you know. No, and we, yeah, and, and we've got... because they've been sold some idea that they're, you know, clinging on to. Right. Well, I mean, I guess it's what it is, uh, Spencer, because we, we've essentially changed uh, overnight so to speak the psychology mm -hmm. of the entire population um, and many of the people that you know there's there's a whole of course you know you have the whole range of the demographics of different responses but there's going to be a certain percentage of people that that are never going to interact again they're, yep. they're, they're going to say, I, you know, I'm just going to stay at home pretty much forever. Then there are other people that are going to have certain levels, you know, but, but you're never going to have the same culture society that you had 
six months ago. It's just not going to happen. Right. I, yeah. I, I don't know how it's going to look, but but it's uh, it's 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 the craziest thing that's ever happened since we've been alive, brother. I think so. Yeah, I think so. The you know for me the um, the technology side of it is what scares me more than anything because I you know I'm fir- oh, firmly yeah. in the camp of of the or- the Orwellian uh, control power freaks are going to are going to use this for everything that they possibly can like they always do and mm-hmm. and I'm 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 way more concerned about that type of uh, uh of thing than I am about the virus itself. I mean look I mean, that's like you said, it's a it's a novel virus. It happens before we get exposed to things all the time. I, you know, the origins right. of this thing are also questionable. But we can't even go there now. We got to we got too yeah. much, too much on the ground stuff we got to worry about. And there's so much disinformation, misinformation. Nobody's ever going to fucking find out. Oh, I know. You know? I, that's, that's another thing that a lot of uh, self-righteous, finger quote, well-informed kids uh, don't realize is that. That disinformation is also the things they read as well. Oh my you God! Know, not, Every, everyone's being not just the dumb boomer on their right. Facebook wall, right. uh, who you know, to be fair, absolutely is filled with misinformation. But you know, you see everybody else's misinformation, but it's very easy not to see your own misinformation. That's the that's the you know truth, everybody yeah. says everybody says oh with Google you have the entire knowledge of the world at huh. your fingertips, and that's such a joke. It's a crock of shit. Everyone knows that. Uh, what you have is the access to ask it a question, and it will tell you what it wants you to know. Yeah, based on the algorithmic frequently, programming and the agenda of the people behind the algorithm. So Frequently gamed, and you know, certain information is suppressed all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah, so... Um, well, I don't know, man. Uh, and what happens when the next virus shows up? Well, you, you know, know I, th- I think we've actually had this conversation about uh, different happenings in the past. And the best you can really do is to, you know, cling to the ones that you know and love. And mm, yeah. let, them, let them know you're still around, you still love them, and you're there. And just do what you can for your own community and for your own family. I agree. And, uh, That's always the best you know, idea. We'll all see each other on the other side. <laughs> and I, I was so giddy when I heard you say that uh, that it's crap that we're all in this together. Like, huh. We have we have been split so far apart, not only politically but now socially, that to think that anyone is with anyone else is a very foolish mistake to make right now i think yeah yeah I've, the, the the advertising and the marketing you know it's oh crazy you, you, you know at um, least the at <laughs> least the narrative in the advertising world is starting to switch to we're opening up we're opening up yeah i've, I've heard that like well, thank god they're trying to how about that into the narrative how about oh, this it's been hard to watch in in these challenging times in these uncertain times, I mean, it's like now more than ever. Now, if I mean, it's like it's like literally they send the send the 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 memo out, and then people just start using these terms. It's crazy, you know. It was almost like the same ad agency did like that's what it feels like. Doesn't five it? different companies. That's what it feels like. Yeah, we are here for you. <laughs> Oh my God! Yep. Well, I'll tell you what, Spencer. It is it it is a a, a runaway train on a dark, stormy night, and I've said that a few oh, times yeah. in the past, but I ne- I never really meant it like I do these days. So, 
I'm sure glad. Well, I'll tell you what. What's that? That guy right out your out your window right now. You can see him not wearing a mask. <laughs> His fault that we're all gonna die. Well. You know, and, and I, I try not to judge anybody. I'm like, you know, if you, if you really feel it's necessary no, I, to wear your mask, go for it, you know. But but certainly outside in the car. I mean, I had, I had a friend of mine from Colorado sent me a note the other day that he was up at, at 9,000 feet on a mountain, you know, climbing a freaking mountain. And people, yeah. and people th- th- there's not 20 people on the entire mountain, right? And, and, yep. and, he, and he crosses somebody who's 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 wearing a freaking face mask it's just like uh-huh. and that's just and that's just un, uninformed celebrities you know? posing in hand knit masks oh know, yeah like no, I know. big holes in it we've got yeah. california banning uh hanging out on the beach but you can swim meanwhile jersey will ban swimming but you can hang out on the beach and both claim you know because science yeah. Now the whole and, thing is so uh, schizophrenic and and disjointed. People just scream and, science at you without you know any sort of scientific studies or peer reviewed data or any sort of uh, yeah I know neat to back that up. <coughs> I know it's you frustrating. Know, science, science. I mean, your whole show is about science. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, science asks, wait, really? And that's like the question you're not allowed to ask right now is, wait, really? Wait. Yeah. As in, like, slow down, stop acting and reacting, wait, and then really? Yeah. Is that really how it's going? Is what you just said really the truth? Is what you've been told actually what's going on? Because it doesn't really pass the smell test. This thing hasn't passed the smell test since day one. Well, there's definitely been something out of whack. I've been saying it from the beginning, too. And I've been talking about this since since January because I... Cause I was paying attention to what was happening in China. And I had a bunch of interviews before we even went off the air about this thing. And the whole time I've been like, you know, there's something else going on here. I'm not sure exactly what now, of course, when, with regard to the, the truth of, of information coming from any of our, uh, you know, authorities. I mean, we, we, like I was saying earlier in the show, they never tell us the truth about anything anyhow. Right. So yeah, why would we trust them? So why would you trust them on this particular one? In fact, I use it as sort of a um, what not to believe sort of thing. Yeah, you know, uh, so I don't know what I don't know what's really going on. I hope I hope That's we find you out. You know? Call the crazy person, though. You oh, know? Yeah, like, yeah, you, yeah. Oh, you really think the CDC's numbers are going to you think they're really going to lie to you? Well, I'm like, I, I mean, uh, but it's easy, you know, it's, you know it's like and the person that, that says that to you, if you say to them, well, have you ever looked at where the CDC gets their money? Right. That's all you got to say. And, and, the, and that'll probably end the conversation because they'll, yep. they're going to say, well, you're a conspiracy theorist or, 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 or they're not, or, or maybe they'll go look, maybe, maybe someone actually will go look and find out why I, why I said the CDC is a bunch of crooks, but you know, I mean, it's that's the way kind of heart wrenching in a way to me because I did cut my teeth in the activism world and, mm. uh, you know, mainly the pot thing, which turned into liberty issues in general. Uh, and a lot of my generation came up uh, informing one another that it's really bad that, like, such a wealthy few uh, control so much of the wealth and the power in the world. But then the minute that you try to explain who the wealthy few are, where their money comes from, where it goes to, because, you know, not all of it, but a big chunk of it is public. A big yeah. chunk of it you can look up right, from various sources. Absolutely. All of the senators and the congressmen 
the big donors. You can look at the list. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, yeah, I know. Uh, you know, as soon as you start talking about that, you're some kind of a conspiracy theorist. They want to blame it on incompetence. Incompetence is not how a select few people gain power, control, and wealth over generations and keep it. Man. That's not incompetence. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's not how incompetence works. Oh, man. That is called planning, coordination, and dare I say it, conspiring <laughs> to keep the wealth and the power. Well, that's... And, and it doesn't just happen by accident. No. You're right, and I agree with you. And um, I'm sure glad you gave me a call. We're going to have to wrap it up here, though. We're running out of time. Sure. And, uh, well, um, it was definitely a breath of fresh air to hear... Uh, some original thinking being done uh, in terms of this thing because it's really hard there on the Facebook to stay alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm 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 clearly not alone, or you wouldn't be talking to me about it. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so good for you. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Take care of the friends. Like we said, that's always the most important thing, and and usually the wisest thing to do is take care of your own tribe. And uh, absolutely. And and it may take a tribe. It may take a village to get through this thing. And um, know know it who's no, know, yeah. you know. So know who's in your circle. Know who isn't, and and go from there, brother. Absolutely. Well, thanks for. Uh, let me pick your mind about it. Yeah, for sure. And uh, if you get back here to Como someday, we're going to get together and have a beer, all right? Absolutely. Got to do it. All right, Spencer. All right. Take care, Mike. Yeah, take care. All right. Appreciate the call from Spencer there from uh, Kansas City. Uh, you're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM. We've got about 15, 14 minutes of the show left. Take a couple more calls if anybody would like to call, 573-443-7380. 443-8255. Uh, in the meantime, if we don't get any more calls, I'll just kind of quick. I was going to do a little bit more news, but I'm glad we had a chance to talk with Spencer there. Um, there's a bunch of stuff on the forum that is very relevant to the entire conversation that Spencer and I just had and also the pretty much the whole show tonight. Uh, I've got that Edward Snowden piece up on the forum. Um, there were a couple of interesting uh, fade-outs uh, during that, but the video itself uh, can be seen if you go uh, just look for Edward Snowden um, and uh, coronavirus or just go to my, uh, go to my forum and, uh, and click on the link right there. Uh, here's a story about blood tests in Japan uh, revealing that the coronavirus mortality is lower than influenza. So here's, here, here's a, a contradictory story from, a, from the Japanese medical personnel Kobe City General Medical Hospital study on a thousand blood samples uh, only 0.01% died of COVID the prudence of science okay so anyway the whole story from Tokyo here and and this is one that I would ask to be explained like it, it doesn't jive with some of the other stories that we're seeing you know also early in this coronavirus thing there was all kinds of talk about airborne uh, whether or not it was an airborne pathogen and then it, and it certainly could survive in the air for an X amount of time, a significant amount of time. There was, there was all kinds of talk about that. Those stories are gone. Um, there was all kinds of talk about, uh, about mutations of the virus. There were already at least three different versions. The, the one in New York was different from the one in California, that the one in Italy was different from the one in China, that, and, and that there were already mutation those stories are gone no talk about that whatsoever um why what's wrong with asking about that where what what's up right i'm sorry I'm, i have to ask those questions all right 
Um, here's a video about extremely rare sea creatures. It's super cool. Um, the USS Portland firing a laser weapon and downing a drone. This was a first-time test uh, from the U.S. Navy. That's pretty stunning, too. You see a Navy boat take out a drone flying. Uh, uh, actually, I'm not sure if it was a Marine drone or if it was an airborne drone, but anyway, it takes it out with a laser weapon. Uh, Sage documents reveal psychological operations against the public. This is a, this is a story from, from England. Very, very concerning. A strange video of Leonard Nimoy singing a song about Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> That's probably the strangest thing on the forum right now. And I think it's pretty funny, actually. It's an old video of Mr. Spock from Star Trek singing a song about Bilbo Baggins. Yes, very strange. Uh, dolphins are getting bored uh, due to lack of human interaction and are bringing gifts to uh, places where they used to interact with humans. I read that story across the growing American divide. Very interesting, I thought. Top HIV scientist says he wouldn't count on a vaccine for the coronavirus soon. That's an interesting story, right? How come we haven't, all, that's all we keep hearing about. You know, no problem. Going to have a vaccine, going to have a vaccine. No problem. Well, what if they never get a vaccine? They've never had a vaccine for lots of viruses. Here's a story from uh, May 20th. A top U.S. scientist said on Wednesday that governments should not count on a successful vaccine against COVID-19 being, being developed anytime soon when deciding whether to ease restrictions imposed to curb the pandemic. William Hazeltine, a groundbreaking research of cancer, HIV, AIDS, and human genome project, said the better approach now is to manage the disease through careful tracing of infections and strict isolation measures whenever it starts spreading. Now, this I totally agree with. He wants to do this contact tracing stuff. But anyway, while a COVID-19 vaccine could be developed, he said, I wouldn't count on it. Vaccines developed previously for other types of coronaviruses have failed to protect mucous membranes in the nose where the virus typically enters the body, he said. Even without an effective treatment or vaccine, the virus can be controlled by identifying infections, finding people who have been exposed, and isolating them, he says. But anyway, I disagree with his, uh, with his conclusion, but I do agree that uh, it's 50-50 it's, they'll have a vaccine for this thing anytime soon. And if they have one within 18 months, of, uh, then, then, then they already had it, Okay. Um, there's, there's, a, there's as good a chance as any as this thing was built in a laboratory. And if they built it in a laboratory, they also built the countermeasure and, and, and that's the vaccine. But if it comes out in June, I'm telling you, and it's effective, then, then, then that's the giveaway. So you can almost bet that it won't. Um, it'll take, it takes, a, you know, and I don't care about project warp speed or operation warp speed or whatever Trump says he's going to do to, to fast track a a vaccine that's you're not going to do it all right and you know what we need long-term trials that type of thing for a vaccine there are a lot of people who aren't going to take a vaccine that hasn't been proven to be effective and proven to be safe long term or even short term uh, so that's very troublesome but of course the cdc and the who are primarily funded by large pharmaceutical corporations and they are very uh, vaccine oriented because they make a lot of money on it so if you really want it in a nutshell that's the that's the headline for why the vaccine is all the news and there is very little news about other countermeasures to this particular virus so 
Okay. Um, it is about one fifty-two. We got about seven and a half minutes left of the program. I will thank you all for listening. It's great to be back here. I'm glad I had a chance to get behind the microphone again. And I have such a difficult time uh, doing this from home. It's not just a technology issue. It's uh, an environmental issue. There's something that happens to me when I come into the door of this studio. Uh, it changes me somehow, and I I go into radio orbit mode, <laughs> and and I even though I try to do it at home, I just aren't very good at it. <laughs> I'm just not very good at it. And anyway, I'm glad to. Uh, be back here and hopefully things continue to go reasonably well here in Boone County and in Columbia and we can uh, we can continue to slowly and safely uh, open the radio station and all these other businesses that have been una un unable to operate for quite some time try to get as many people back to work as we can and of course watch the health situation as well you know if there's a major a uh, surge or a, a big uptick in in cases and uh, uh, and troublesome things. Well, then you know then we then we go into management mode. And I I do say uh, some good things about about the approach here. Um, uh, I think that initially you had to be careful. Uh, I think nobody really knew exactly what was going on. We still don't, obviously. But I think better safe than sorry. Um, I think over time, people are getting a little bit more comfortable. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, as I mentioned right toward the beginning of the program, a lot of people out and about and interacting. So if there's going to be a second wave or a surge, I think we're probably likely to see it, uh, you know, in, in, in the next couple, three weeks. But anyway, I wish the best of luck to everybody out there, and hopefully uh, we can come through this thing, and, and uh, a year from now it'll be... Another one of those crazy things that, that, that we talk about um, in the past. So we'll see. In the meantime, you guys take care of yourselves. You girls take care of yourselves. And I'll do my best to take care of myself. And I think, I think Spencer, who called just a little bit ago, gave some real good advice about, you know, taking care of the ones you love. Let them know that you're still there. And uh, keep it close to home. That's usually a smart thing to do anyway. And uh, do your best to get through this thing, okay? All right, it's Mike, and you've been listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia 89.5 FM, streaming on the web at kopn.org. And for me, on the web, www.mikehagan.com. I'll catch you all next week. Be cool to yourselves, be cool to other people, and uh, we'll talk to you then. Wow.